1: up everybody welcome to the big six podcast cbs sports daily nfl podcast i'm will brinson i'm your host happy halloween oh we didn't dress up sully if you're watching on uh we just you know tyler sullivan aka sully joining me on this monday for our press coverage show the debut of it know. Right, maybe 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 we're dressed up as we're, we're dressed up as two people who don't want to be <laughs> <laughs> dressed up as two well, you're not really middle-aged I'm, I'm dressed up as a middle-aged podcast host yeah, sure sure
2: yeah i i was just telling billy before you jumped on i, w- I was like i should have dressed up i have an astronaut costume upstairs oh man it would have been, been great
1: I don't, I don't i don't i don't expect you to, to watch like our show on so after the, but like breach dressed up as mickey mouse but it's <laughs> it's like mickey mickey mouse you know it was like I don't, the, the, the 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 uh the the hood with the ears is like too floppy
2: yep
1: so like his ears are going everywhere and like you couldn't I don't know. Did he looked like Mickey Mouse at all. He looked like uh, um, some sort. Of, uh, what was the movie? The the uh, the bunny movie. The the weird like. Um...
2: Oh. oh God! Yeah. But I'll be honest. I saw like your like the thing on you like you know a preview of it on yeah, YouTube yeah, yeah. or whatever, and I saw the little squares of you guys. I actually thought Breach was like a Jedi because it kind of looked like he was in like a hood or whatever. I was like, oh, yeah. right. he's doing some Star Wars thing or something. But no. he looked more like Donnie Darko. Okay
1: that's what i was going for you know because darko has got those little floppy
2: yep yeah uh it was like, like a like a mouse version of donnie darko <laughs>
1: that's, that's, awesome. that's actually what breach is dressed up as uh
2: I, I was i was buzzed aldrin because it's got to be a drinking reference right so uh,
1: you were buzzed aldrin
2: yeah it was uh over the weekend we went to a party and so uh, uh right, right, right 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 because you are astronaut, had to be drinking so yeah yeah, yeah. You know.
1: and you're not yeah 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 you're still young and on un- almost unmarried still
2: unmarried still unmarried six million dollars away from remaining unmarried. it's very true and there's powerball coming up so you never know hey you never know
1: <laughs> billy that's where you could play so you're telling me there's a chance but whatever uh, the, uh moving along we're moving into the actual show let's talk some zach wilson so we were we were excuse me we were getting into this on sunday night and that's sort of like the plan for this show Mondays at one live on YouTube. It'll be in the feed, of course, the podcast feed. But the idea is one to like kind of pick apart, like take like some of the stories that come out of come out of Sunday that we can't like you don't really know about, uh, and we'll know more about you know as the you know as we get twenty four hours out or twenty four ish hours out from football. And then the other is like take you know maybe we can't spend twenty five minutes. We're not going to do that now. But you you can't spend fifteen minutes on the pod talking about Zach Wilson. Um, just you know, especially in a losing effort. But you know, you're you're a Pat's guy i assume that you i mean i don't know how many tvs you operate with on sunday two more one two
2: multiple two yeah two yeah you're right you and then like uh but like you know i can use my laptop and stuff so
1: it's yeah yeah but i mean the point being is like you probably have because you live in boston a screen with the pats
2: game on yes that is true like like, i mean there's a dedicated screen to that
1: correct which is probably awesome for the last 23 years a little less awesome now. Yeah, not so much. You, you feel a little like, more like a Panthers fan now. Yeah. <laughs> like 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 I, have, I you know the Panthers are the local team. Like I was watching the Eagles Steelers game. Um, uh, but like you know, I always have it I have an HD antenna, and so I always keep one of that on you know on a local game because you're ahead anyway, yada yada yada. Point being is you saw a lot of Zach Wilson yesterday. You saw a lot of bad quarterbacking from second year quarterbacks uh in, in Pat's uh uh Jets. But let's start with Zach Wilson. And I, I'm just curious, like Ryan Wilson and John breach were suggesting on Sunday evening that Zach Wilson won't make it to like week 10. Now, since this is press coverage, let's read some headlines from around the world. The jets and Zach Wilson are on different timelines by Brian Costello. Uh, That seems polite. Here's an NFL.com one from Judy Batista, who I believe was, yep, was there. Zach Wilson's meltdown versus Patriots raises questions about long-term future as Jets franchise quarterback. That one's a little less nice. Um, oh, is this a is this a you? Oh, this is Chris Trapasso two two hours ago on CBSSports.com, getting the full John Breach treatment in his headline. Zach Wilson is having significant issues in one area of his game and is holding back his upstart team. I going to get read. What this one area is um, of those like where where do Based on what you saw from Zach Wilson on Sunday afternoon against New England, where where do you sort of fall on the what do the Jets do with Zach Wilson? How much stock do we put in of lost, you know against Bill Belichick and the Patriots, who has you know dominated the Jets for the last fifty thousand
2: years? Yeah, I guess you could put you know some stock into Belichick having the number or whatever, and you know, just a good defensive effort. But I don't even know if it was really a great defensive effort. He was, gifting interceptions to the Patriots secondary. It's not like there was, you know, just to put your hand up. That's a great play by the defensive back or something along those lines or a tip pass at the line. And you, you know, just fluky things happen in their interceptions. He was throwing it directly into coverage or, or lack thereof coverage. So for me, What's concerning is that it seemed like he was having more issues when he was on the move and mobile. And you would think that that would kind of be his bread and butter. I kind of felt like that was his thing at BYU. I just remember even in the pre-draft evaluations, like the highlight play was him making a rollout throw, like it felt like 70 yards down the field. And that was what was kind of getting everybody popping. And you just really haven't seen that in the NFL level, and, and there really hasn't been that many explosive plays. I kind of agree with the headline that, that was saying that they're on different timelines, because New York is good. They have a good roster. They are a good football team. What lost them that game was Zach Wilson. There, there is. They are a competitive team if all of a sudden he's just a standard run-of-the-mill quarterback.
1: So interestingly, I did actually dive in quickly into Traps' uh, story, and this is kind of—I
2: uh, guess the headline is good because it got me to read
1: it. But like, it, like, but, but damn it, why, why? Do, I, don't, I don't blame Traps; I blame the editors. Um, I don't mind throwing it under the bus. Clearly, uh, this is—I'm reading for Traps' story. Currently, Wilson is the worst quarterback in football when pressured. And it's not close. He's completed 19.4% of his throws when pressured. And he's staggeringly low 3.0 yards per attempt clip with one touchdown and five interceptions. Altogether, Wilson's passer rating under pressure is 7.1. Yes, 7.1. And he goes on to note you know the things that he does poorly. Um when, when he's oh, there you go, Look at that. When his um when he is pressured. Uh, and then now this is um what may be tying in directly to what you're saying about him on the move. Wilson likely knows I'm still reading from traps. Of course, Wilson likely knows of his under pressure struggles and that awareness has led to him even vacating clean pockets. Traditionally a gigantic no, no at the quarterback spot. In other words, what may be happening with Wilson here with those, when he looks lost on the move is he is, he is petrified of pressure right now seeing ghosts, perhaps even. Um, and. That would, I mean, that sort of all adds up. And where it's like, if, you know, if you're Belichick and you know that you can, you don't have to be a good defense, but you know that you can, I mean, like he did this to Darnold too. Like you're just, you're you're dialing up stuff. This is why he's 30 and six against second year quarterbacks or first and second year quarterbacks. You can, you can just, he, he, he is able to diagnose certain, whatever traits, whatever things bother him you know, you you mass some stuff on the back end and you send some pressure and all of a sudden you have Zach Wilson in a really bad spot. I, my thing though is that like this Jets team is even if they're good, I think they're I think they're pretty good. I don't think they're, I don't think they're like I mean I don't think they are
2: as good as their record is. No, no, no not by any stretch of the imagination.
1: Right. So like. I, I guess, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I I, can't, I don't understand the idea that you would bench Zach Wilson. Like Ryan Wilson was saying, like, do it for Mike White. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think that, I think you have to take with the New York Jets a big picture view of the organization. I I, I don't think that this is a team, I mean, I mean, I guess you could sneak into the playoffs, like, I guess, just, you know, I guess anything could happen, but. It's not, this is not a team that you are. I mean, we're, you know, almost 24 hours away from the trade deadline when we're recording this podcast. This is not not, a team that you're you're not shopping. You're not investing too much. Yeah. I guess you went for James Robinson, but ultimately, you're not breaking the bank to try to improve this team so dramatically that you you feel like you're one move away from going over the top. You lost Brees Hall. You lost Elijah Vera Tucker. You have really nice pieces. You've drafted well outside of this position over the last few years. And so for me, it's not so much of when are we going to bench Zach Wilson for Mike White or Joe Flacco or whatever it's, can you take the remaining however many weeks we have left in the season to evaluate what Zach Wilson is? And at that point, make a decision because you do have a roster next year that I do think if certain guys blossom the way that I think that they're going to, you could be a sneaky team if you get that quarterback situation, right? So for me, it's not so much what it's going to be this season. It's, is Wilson going to show you anything? And there have been flashes. I mean, he can throw a pretty nice ball when he when he got it, gets everything right. It's just it's when those things are right are few and far between. And when he's bad, he's really bad. So for me, that's what you're looking at. Is he going to be your guy going forward? Or are you in this, you know, drafting a guy? Or are you going to maybe get a retread like we've seen the Indianapolis Colts or even the Commanders do over the last few years? I almost think that that might be a good move. For this team how this roster is currently constructed
1: it's interesting because reading um costello's piece too it's like um the season was supposed to be about a young jets team growing and progressing this is basically what we're saying too yeah. with an eye on 2023 things changed though over the past month with the jets winning four games in a row and getting off to a 5-2 start Suddenly became clear the jets might have to wait until 2023 to contend for the playoffs they could do it now you can say the jets are ahead of schedule except at one position, the most important position, obviously quarterback. It feels like they are on different timelines, he writes. So that may be true. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't disagree with that. If, well, actually, I'm going to push back on a little bit. If the Jets are accidentally ahead of schedule, like if the Jets accidentally got ahead of their own schedule, and did it kind of through smoke and mirrors like you know the the browns they shouldn't have beaten the browns like that that is a once in 20 year victory um you know if just because you were suddenly find yourself in in a in a in a playoff race that is very very muddled does not mean that you are like you're not better than you thought you were yeah it's people are just worse than you expected and you got a backup quarterback against the, like you, dra- you 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 got like a just run of backup quarterbacks. The Packers game is probably the one that is really throwing things off because it's like if we can go in Green Bay and beat the Packers, we can beat anyone. Yeah. Um, turns out the Packers are terrible, so I, I think that that's kind of the problem: is you you can't ab- you cannot abandon your plan because you accidentally fast forwarded your team growth ahead of where you thought your quarterback would be growing. Like, you drafted this guy second overall knowing that he had incredible physical traits, but, like, m- has maybe some what were called Farvian or even Mahomesian decisions in college. Like, like ag- like I'm willing to press it, willing to be aggressive. And I read the quote last night Rich Smini had where Zach Wilson's like, I just get tired of rolling out like getting out there and there's no one open, and I just feel like I gotta throw it. I'm mean, he's, like, he's like, I'm tired of taking the checkdowns. Well, th- that's part of his growth. Like you have to teach him to play quarterback and how to and how to not take chances like that. And if you do that, if you can change that, like if that's that's their job to 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 fix that for Zach Wilson. And if they can't fix that, then that's a it's either a Zach or, is it a Zach Wilson problem or is it a a coaching problem? Because right? it has to be one of the two.
2: Right, and, and so I guess that that's part part of it as well. I mean, obviously, the coaching needs to develop the player, especially when we kind of knew he was going to be a raw guy coming into the league. It's yeah. not like he was a bona fide Trevor Lawrence, you know what we thought, you know, to be established, polished, going to come in and, and compete right away. There was some level of development that you need to do. At the same time, though, I I just do get a little worried about yeah it's at a certain point these things do need to start clicking though. I mean, sure. you know i'm I'm seeing it here in New England as well with Mac Jones. It just doesn't feel like it's clicking at all, really. And so with Wilson, yeah, you know you can throw away some of the some of the decision making and say, yeah, you know he's a young guy developing, but you you also you can't completely revamp the quarterback. like I know what you're saying like he you know he, he's getting tired of you know going with the checkdowns and stuff like that you, you can't you can't go by.
1: You can't go to El Rodeo and order dinner and then be mad that you didn't get spaghetti. Yeah. Like you, you 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 bought what you bought. You ordered the you ordered you ordered the dish, my man. Like, you know. The other thing too is like, man, this uh <laughs> this quarterback class 2021.
2: I mean, what we have five in the first round? Uh yeah, right? Uh three uh, uh yes, yeah, Lawrence, yeah, Wilson, yeah.
1: Lance, Fields, Mac. All right, I mean, and, and see that's that. I mean, just sort of kind of build on the, the Zach Wilson stuff. Like, I, I mean, one, none of those guys look like surefire franchise quarterbacks. I we I get in a fight with Ryan Wilson every week where he's just like, just willing to throw Trevor Lawrence in the, in a dumpster, and like it's like, well, I mean, clearly he didn't work out, and, and I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, it, it's it is it is maybe too early to definitively call anything on any of these guys or it is definitely definitively too early. It's early. Yeah, of course it is. But, but I think that speaks to like where we are in terms of quarterbacking where if, if it's year two and you're not showing some kind of growth or progress for me, I'm like, I I always, I think for the Jets and like, or the Jags, the Patriots, I kind of get maybe with Mac a little bit because it's, you, it's, you're being coached by Belichick. You don't have a ton of weapons around you, but in, this is the Belichick factor. You expect to see that growth and like the smart decision-making. Like his, the pick six that got called back because of that roughing the passer call, that was a horrendous decision.
2: Yeah, and I'll tell you, that wasn't, I don't even know if that was his worst throw of the day. There was another one Jeez. where he threw it off the helmet. He it like went off the helmet of one of the, I think it was a Patriots lineman, and it bounced off and it almost was picked off. But honestly it's the going off the helmet stopped the interception because he was throwing it directly at the linebacker did it, did it Kind of like pop up and then like land or it yeah. popped up and almost like knuckled and it, it still hit the hands of the linebacker. But if it was a straight trajectory of where Mac was throwing it, it would have been an interception. But to mm-hmm. go back to Zach Wilson for a second, I do think <laughs> that this is, this is an interesting kind of, you know, what if, because it's, we're seeing what, what if the type the of Patriots had drafted, I mean, the jets had drafted Mac Jones. No, 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 no. This is I'm going back just to this offseason. Right. What happens if all of a sudden the New York Jets were successful in their trade attempt for Tyreek Hill? We've seen how much that that's impacted place. and that's helped to Watunga Vailoa, who has had the same type of questions that we've had with Zach Wilson. And by the way,
1: the exact same offense because your LaFour comes from the Shanahan, so does
2: Mike right. McDaniel. So you'd be yeah. We've seen what that ability and again, there's only so many Tyreek Hills out there, but We've seen it throughout the league now. There is one. (laughs) But we've seen over the last few years now when these young quarterbacks who have questions about their development get a number one wide receiver, whether it be Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, Jalen Hurts, and uh, A.J. Brown this year, Tyreek Hill and Tua Bailoa this year, it's stabilizing the offense in a way that I think that we almost don't look at wide receivers that way, or we used to not. And now it's kind of changing those guys. And so I do wonder if all of a sudden Garrett Wilson develops into a legit number one guy or, if, it, or if, if they go find somebody else or something along those lines, the next great wide receiver becomes available and they're able to successfully acquire that guy, how much would that impact a guy like Zach Wilson, who, like we were just saying, instinctually likes to push the ball down the field, if they get somebody that caters to that skill set I wonder if that's going to change the narrative of his development, like we've seen too in Miami. That's a, that's a, that's a really good point. I I, it's a great
1: point because you look at Josh Allen, two years. I mean, Josh Allen's I mean, Josh Allen definitely better than Zach Wilson through the first year and a half. I'm not suggesting that at all, but like. But you forget like the narrative around him early on. Married Josh Allen for the first year and a half of his career. Like, it, it wasn't until he got Diggs in 2020 that he took a massive, massive leap forward. And became an MVP caliber player. I'm not suggesting that that will happen with Zach Wilson. The other thing the Bills did was they they planned around they built around Josh Allen, and I think that the Jets have done a pretty good job of building around Zach Wilson. But it was getting a guy like Diggs, and there are only so when you say when you said there are only so many Tiger Kills out there. What you mean, I think, is like there's only so many like alpha level number one wide receivers who are going to be traded for now granted there's been a lot of them in recent years like Diggs, Devonte adams Tyreek Hill. um was the other one you mentioned that was uh a j brown yeah a j brown right, right right um and i mean look Hurts is a different quarterback this year and if you you saw i don't know if you saw the uh clip of um what we can talk about the, we told the the Eagles after the break but like the point being is yeah it would it would uh it would behoove the jets to try and get some kind of stud number 1 wide receiver for Zach Wilson because what you're asking him to do maybe Garrett Wilson's great but you're asking those two guys to grow to 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 make this leap at the same time yeah which is is possible but also more difficult because you have to like you 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 are asking Zach Wilson to make this leap as a quarterback while with a guy who is not already a perfect like a high level professional receiver and you're asking this Young receiver to make this leap with a guy who is not already a high. They, they need, they need, you're, you're right. They need that, that alpha receiver who, with some veteran experience, who can maybe like allow Wilson, like, like in the same way that Waddle has now become just, there's no pressure on Jalen Waddle. Yeah. And he's got, he's like, he's getting, he, he's learning from Tyreek Hill at the same time as he's growing with Tua Tunga Bailoa. And th- that would, that would definitely help the Jets, you know, the offensive line stuff too, you know, they, the they, the Bills and the Jets plan kind of similarly in terms of.
2: I think it's very similar how they're building themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we're going to get these,
1: like you know, not middling, but like you know, veteran offensive line options who will keep it a little steadier in front of our quarterback. And so, yeah, I mean, I think Josh Allen's a good example too. Like you know, he he I mean he was, I think I'm trying to remember his 2019. I mean they went 10 and six. He completed fifty eight point eight percent of his passes, twenty touchdowns, nine interceptions. Like when he when he busted out in twenty twenty, it was not like it was a not that it was a total surprise, but it was a insane leap forward.
2: Yes, I don't think that anybody who saw Josh Allen
1: predicting that
2: right, right. And again, you could say that about a lot of guys. I guess like you know, even Mahomes. Whenever you reach those heights, you don't expect it, but at the same time. The way that Josh Allen emerged with the addition of Stefan Diggs and I, and again, I'll say it again with the addition of AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts as a passer, that has changed the way that we're viewing these guys. Now, Allen's a little bit more, I think, special because he is just, I think, a legitimate year in and year at MVP guy. I don't know if Hurts is there yet, but you can clearly see how much easier it stabilizes the offense, the pecking order in terms of pass catchers, it makes it so much easier. Like we're saying about Jalen Waddle, there's not that much pressure on Devonta Smith. There's not that much pressure on Dallas Goddard. There's not that much pressure on those guys that maybe are a little bit too green to carry the offense. You kind of, yeah, as much as we say, oh, the timeline isn't right between the New York Jets around Zach Wilson and what Zach Wilson is on. Yes, yeah, sometimes you kind of need to put somebody in front of that timeline. To to kind of pull everybody forward, and so that's one thing that I think that they should look at this offseason. I don't think that they should bench Zach Wilson or anything like that. I mean, if he really stinks up the joint, then you have the conversations this offseason. This is a team that was not afraid to get rid of Sam Darnold, who they drafted extremely high, and if they are set up for another quarterback. But ultimately, I think it's more of a let's continue to build around him, and then if it doesn't work out, then you move on. You're a great landing spot for another quarterback.
1: Yep, I agree completely. And by the way. You could trade Zach Wilson for Tom. Uh, maybe Tom Brady's a bad example. Trade Zach Wilson for Josh Allen. Well, Josh Allen's a bag example, too, because they played the Bills twice. Trade Josh Zach Wilson for whatever you think the average quarterback is in the NFL. Andy, a- a- whatever it is. They go. They have the Bills at home, at the Patriots, the Bears at home, at the Vikings, at the Bills. Like, I don't care who the quarterback is. They're probably winning one of those games. Like, I mean, if they steal two of those games in that stretch... I mean, three on the road against... The Patriots own them. The Bills are just a really, really good team. And the the Jets will probably be favored against the Bears. But, like, Minnesota's, I mean, also a good team. But I I don't expect them to win more than one of those games. And that's not a Zach Wilson thing.
2: No. That's that's just a tough schedule. I mean, if you look at Tankathon, it's their... They have the eighth toughest schedule in terms of strength of schedule remaining in this season. So it's, it's not an easy sledding for this team.
1: That also tells you that they've had a much easier schedule... Starting out, which again, like you can't, we saw this with Carolina and when all the quarterback trades started happening, you can't accelerate your timeline artificially. If you do, that's when you get like, just don't accelerate your timeline artificially. That's all I'm saying. All right. No. Let's say, break when we come back more uh, press coverage?
0: Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it?
2: I
1: might just change the
2: name of the show to press coverage. You think? You think it would go over well with the the marketing people? I'm sure. Yeah. No, it'd be yeah. great. I, I'd have a mug that'd be worth some, worth something. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah.
1: I would have <laughs> a, uh, it's, I'm sure I got some pick six stuff around here somewhere. Um, Cooper Cup. We'll talk about this briefly, just because we won't. We record. We're on the East Coast. We record the show around one o'clock. We're not going to know about Cooper Cup until later, but Cooper Cup is quote. Uh, according to ESPN, feeling feeling quote pretty good after his ankle injury. Um, it looks like let's see who said this. Uh Arash Markazi of the Sporting Tribune.com got a quote. That that was the quote from that. And then um he also added, uh, got rolled up a little bit. He said he's able to dodge a bullet, is basically what he's saying. Like Cooper Cup thinks he's gonna keep playing. Um do, do we feel like Sean McVay has sufficiently shamed himself for playing in Cooper Cup? Do we need to shame, shame Sean McVay further? Um, any thoughts on any thought? I mean, Cup, we don't have a whole lot of information. It would, It would really suck if he was out for any point of time.
2: I mean that would be absolutely killer, and he did tweet out at nine o'clock last night. No other way I know but to keep moving forward. So whoever you know, whatever that means. But thanks, thanks, Cooper. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. fantasy I owners, you know, I'm sure. How'd you, I had you as a
1: practical fellow, Cooper, and you're, and you're doing this to us? Um, <laughs> if I if I had to guess with Cooper Cup, I would say that, um, I would I would think that he is going to play this week against Tampa Bay. That line has moved to three, as we talked about. <laughs> I mean he's just a he's just a tough dude. And Sean McVay had no business, he had no business throwing like that was just that is just negligence. Yeah. Uh, he owned he owned up to it. So credit to him like a lot, some coaches would have doubled down be like I don't know, I mean what do you want me to do? We're trying to yeah, win we're the game. we are trying yeah, to trying to win, yeah. Yeah, it's like you're down 17 with a minute left. You are not you're not winning the game.
2: Yeah, no. I mean there's really nothing more other than that to say about it. Like yeah, shouldn't have been out there if he's missing any time, it is just a death blow to an already struggling Rams team because he was basically it offensively for Matthew Stafford. I mean, they're really, I guess Tyler Higby's kind of had a little bit of a a bump this season, but there really hasn't been any. Allen Robinson, a non-factor for me. And so if you all of a sudden take him out of the equation and you really can't even run the ball effectively. I mean, there's a reason why this team was going after Christian McCaffrey in trade rumors with the San Francisco 49ers. They feel like they need another legit playmaker yeah, and then all of a sudden you lose your best one, you're talking about a team that is going to be left in the dust, possibly to the you know it's crazy as it sounds, the 49ers, the Seattle Seahawks. You're talking about you're being on the outside looking into the playoffs. Yep.
1: All right, I want to talk, and we didn't have this on the rundown per se, but I don't care. Um, Josh McDaniels. Here's a couple of headlines for you for Pro Football Talk. This is uh, our buddy Michael David Smith writing it. Josh McDaniels. Raiders aren't good enough, and that's my responsibility. Obviously, that wasn't good enough in any way, shape, or form. They got blown out 24-0. Shut out in the year 2022. Like, you're getting shut out in 2022. You're doing something really bad. And that's my responsibility. So, I have to do a much better job of getting ourselves ready to go here. We're better than that, and I apologize to Raider Nation for that performance. And again, I own that. That's my responsibility. So, we have to do much better, obviously, in every phase of the game to be able to compete with the team. All right, blah, 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 blah. We're going to fix it. He met with Mark Davis again on Sunday night. Second meeting, eight weeks in the season. The Raiders in an AFC where you know the Jets and the Dolphins and a Titans team that you know lost lost AJ Brown this offseason season and, and lost you know lost their best pass rusher is five and two. The Chargers are in the playoffs if, if the playoffs started today. The Raiders are dead last in their division, two and five. What I mean i don't think that mark davis would fire josh mcdaniels after one year but i don't know man like is i'm curious what you think about mcdaniel you know you McDaniels are the patriots forever multiple stints we saw how we saw he flamed out in denver what's your sort of take on how this whole
2: situation in denver or excuse me las vegas is unfolding well i'll tell you this really quickly i mean obviously you're like I don't know if Mark Davis would fire him after one season, but if I asked you which owner would fire a head coach after one season, I think Mark Davis would be one of the first guys that we would mention, right? Well, Al so. Davis would be the first guy we'd mention. <laughs> the question is like, is, will Mark become more like his
1: dad? Yeah. And now it's also, and you know, I, I hadn't really thought that the fascination is this, but I mean, like, typically speaking, you know, when you, you know, when you depending on the franchise, certain franchises are less likely to waste money on coaches who aren't working for them than others the Raiders strike me as a franchise like that, but maybe getting in this new stadium, you know, getting like, getting all this, getting this move happened is is sort of flushed up his pockets, you know, so maybe he's, maybe he's willing, maybe he's unwilling to sit there and deal with a disaster in McDaniels. Ryan Wilson pointed out that maybe, or maybe it was Breach, I can't remember, but it might be Derek Carr, who's the guy who catches the blame for McDaniels versus McDaniels himself.
2: Yeah, I think that that's, that's basically where I was going to go. It's, I think that you, you skate, it's almost like when, you know, it's a, it's the GM who, you know, didn't hire the head coach. And so then he wants his new head coach. And so he fires that guy, you know, it's that whole thing. There's there's kind of motion with the coach in the QB, right. Right. Dominoes need to go down. I think that if, if something were to happen, it wouldn't be Josh McDaniels leaving. It would be Derek Carr leaving, which opens up a whole other can of worms. I know everybody up here loves up here in New England, loves thrown out the thought of, well, all right, Tom Brady might be a free agent next year. Does he go meet his buddy in Las Vegas and and get that whole thing rolling, but that's neither here nor there. That's something we could talk about later, but it is jarring that We talked about it, that last night briefly, by the way. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: so, yeah, yeah. we're like we're like who's the Raiders quarterback? Tom Brady. Who's yeah. the Niners quarterback? Tom Brady. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, the, he ain't retiring
2: team, now. That is a team. Ain't no way t- in hell Tom Brady is no. retiring in this season. No, no, you don't no. get divorced and then retire. Yeah, exactly. He's he's probably not going anywhere.
1: He's probably going to win another Super Bowl with a different team next year.
2: Probably, or in or in like fifty years when he's still playing. Who, yeah. who knows? The dude's a cyborg, apparently. But for this team, I know we we were just talking about the New York Jets, and and I think that there's a good distinction that we need to make here. This is not one of those teams that is young, developing. And maybe, you know, it's a little bit disappointing because you haven't really hit right away or or some things aren't hitting right away. This is a team that expected to be in the thick of it in the AFC West, and they just are not. You have heavily invested players, whether it be Devontae Adams, who you acquired and signed to a big deal, Max Crosby, who you signed to a big money deal, Chandler Jones, who you signed. To a big money deal, they were going into this season thinking that they were going to contend, not just say, Hey, we're building, we're building towards something. This was a team that felt like they could contend right away. I mean, there's a reason why they didn't get rid of Josh Jacobs when they declined to pick up his fifth-year option. They were saying we need this guy for the stretch run, and so you know, this is a team that's that's totally feels like they should have been in contention. And you look down the list, a lot of these losses are one-score losses. And it feels like the bottom is now kind of broken out from under them, where now they have zero points. Devontae Adams, I think, had one catch on five targets. It was just he had a, one
1: target in the first half. Just oh, a no, collapse. three targets. In the, he and Renfro had three, four targets in one catch combined in the first half.
2: And so, you know, there were some things with Josh McDaniels when he was the play caller, the offensive coordinator for New England, that were a little frustrating at times that I think kind of went under the radar because. You know, oftentimes it was Tom Brady running the offense. So it, it worked out either way. Or even, you know, when it was Matt or Cam Newton or Mac Jones, you're like, all right, well, it's a twilight Cam Newton or a rookie Mac Jones. So, you know, what can you really take out of it? But there was a lot of, you know, third and third and long draw plays that I remember being just completely head scratching. And I feel like I've seen a little bit of that with the Raiders this year. These Obviously- guys party, it's like did these guys party in New Orleans or something? Like I mean, that's the that's a great question. You would think a Vegas team would be used. That's right. To- <laughs> I was like, I like, I would, I would consider that like a Vegas
1: team might go somewhere and like, like, be like we got a throwdown. But I mean, maybe. But but anyway, on the on the on the on the on the way that this roster is built it is worth noting, that, and I think that this is probably a big time talking point for both Dave Ziegler. is it Ziegler or Ziegler? Uh, Ziegler, Ziegler, yeah. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. Okay. Dave Ziegler being the GM, like, hey man, listen, Mark, you can yell all you want. We agree it's not acceptable, but like, here are our last six first round draft picks. Sure, you know, like, like it could be a team like, and, and I know this is dumb to say, but it's like if they had hit on those draft picks, or they hit on like fifty percent of those draft picks, that they and they got in all these trades for uh, Mari Cooper and Cleo Mack. Um, yeah, you know, they had three first round picks at one point. If you hit on fifty percent of those picks, this ro- this team is the roster is just much better as a whole. I mean, that's that's a tough spot to be in.
2: And I also don't want to, you know, I don't want to, like like you're saying, too, I don't want to make excuses for them either. But Darren Waller not being in that offense I think is a huge factor in this as well. I mean, when we're talking about not only Darren Waller, the player, but the fact that he's an elite tight end talent-wise in the NFL and is paired with Josh McDaniels, who loves to utilize the tight ends in his offenses. I mean, even – When even go beyond Rob Gronkowski and and all those guys that were in New England, even when it was Hunter Henry last year, who is, I don't think is up to that level. I mean, we're seeing it this year. He's not, he's basically a non-factor. How much he was utilized in the red zone with Josh McDaniels, how much he was utilized in goal-to-go situations. That, to me, I think is a huge loss for this Raiders team when you don't have a weapon like that that you were expecting and probably partially built your offense around not being in the fold there. So I think that that's a key piece to this, too, why this offense hasn't really looked the way that it has, or at least, it was, you know, it's on Sunday.
1: I I'm Also, we noting, like, one, one score loss to the Chargers week one on the road. One score overtime loss, one score loss to the, the Cardinals in a brutal week two, to, like, choke job. Um, one score loss to the Titans. Now they had to storm back to make it that way, but you know, it still happened. Uh, one point loss to the Chiefs. Blew out the Texans last week, and then got blown out by the Saints. So, like, like the Raiders looked awesome last week against the Texans. Looked t- terrible against the Saints. It. it like, I, I sort of wonder: is it? I, were we maybe too quick to suggest that Devontae Adams and Derek Carr would just pick off where they pick up where they left off at college, ignoring the fact that. Sort of like Russell Wilson and and Nathaniel Hackett, you have a new head coach, not a first-time head coach, but still a new head coach in a new on a new franchise, running a new offense. Like every, it's this isn't like they hired whoever the hell was coaching Fresno State to run the Raiders, and he comes in, he's like, all right, boys, let's do. It's probably June Jones or something. Uh, Like let's let's do the playbook, right? I would do Fresno playbook. Um, You know, this is a complex Josh McDaniels offense, and Derek Carr had spent. What three or four years learning? You know, John Gruden's insanely complex offense, and now you're sort of shifting gears. Like it, it, even with a veteran quarterback, it is asking a lot. It's not like he's coming in and McDaniel's has been there with his systems in place as a veteran head coach, like a Bruce Arians, like a Sean McVay. you, you know what I mean. Like it's like I think that all that being in flux, we during this huge arms race with the with the AFC West, we sort of ignored the fact that. You know, you still have a little bit of transition time here, guys.
2: Oh, for sure. And and not only that, too. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that that's totally true, where Josh McDaniels, I think, it, I don't necessarily know this, but it just kind of feels feels this way. When the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan type system, I feel like it's a little bit easier to retain quickly and, and kind of understand it's easier to play through, as opposed to what Josh McDaniels likes to run, who Julian Edelman is called... Tried to learn advanced calculus. Like it's right. it's it's a much more difficult offense to grasp. But on top of that, if you look through Josh McDaniels's tenure with the New England Patriots, they have never really had a number one bona fide wide receiver like they do in Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if and again, you're gonna cater things to Devontae Adams, you're gonna you know make things work, but instinctually. How the DNA of that playbook runs—that's why I referenced Darren Waller. He, he built a playbook designed to work for a Bill Belichick roster, exactly. And like so to, to I, I don't—if he's function, trying to—if yeah. if he's trying to bring that to Las Vegas, yeah, you kind of have some of the personnel like Hunter Renfro, you know, scrappy white receiver that's just going to go over the middle. A great Darren Waller, tight end. Those guys make sense. Devonte Adams is the one that's a little bit of an X factor. I was going to be fascinated to see how that would look. You know, obviously, you know he's it's it's been very up in the NFL, but I don't know if that's necessarily how how they draw that one up. Like, you know what I mean? So here's, I mean, week one, 17
1: targets, ten catches, one hundred forty-one yards and a touchdown. They they lost, but I mean, it could you know, close again, close game against the Chargers, and you're sort of like, I right, hey, just so you know, we got Devontae. Seven targets, two catches. Week two, ten targets, five catches. Thirteen targets, nine catches. Seven targets, three catches for 124 yards, average of 41 per pop. Uh, that was they threw that, that four, fourth down against KC, right? Yeah, like the bomb, the, wasn't that KC? Yep. Yeah, yep. Oh, yeah, because they got up and then KC came back. Yeah, um, eight catches, nine targets, eight catches against Houston, five targets, one catch against New Orleans. Like it's just been a very up and down season for Devontae Adams, and you know, like. You take away, you know, so you have the week one show off and then you have that the good game against Denver and then the good game against KC, but really, again, fueled by some longer catches, which is no no problem with that. Just that it it is not... Devontae Adams should go back to Green Bay and everyone would probably be happier.
2: (laughs) And so that's kind of what I'm saying there. There's a little bit of a clash where I think the offensive system works better when... You don't necessarily have to focus on the number one guy all the time. But I also think Derek Carr goes, hey, I have this chemistry with this unbelievable receiver. You see what Aaron Rodgers could do with him. Let me kind of force feed him a little bit. Like you said, I think you saw that in week one with the 17 targets. When you get into a crazy in- environment, I guess, in Kansas City, you're going to kind of throw some prayers up to see if it works. I think that that's a little bit what we're seeing here where, yeah, it, you know, you're going to, if you're Josh McDaniels, you're going to try to, you know, you're obviously going to, Mold your offense to fit. I think the, the now that this but trade looks like an, a disaster. I don't know if I want to go that
1: far. I don't they, know. They, if didn't they, did they give up? Did they give up for first round? I pick? think they 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 first round pick last year. Yeah. So, so like, they, 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 okay. At least the Packers are. It's not like Denver where they have to like the pick is coming. Yeah, it was last year's exactly. first pick. So they, <laughs> if you're two and five and you give a first round, a future first round pick, you're you. It, it, I don't want to call it a disaster. I did right. call it so, so their
2: so their picks are it's over now because it was a 2022 yeah. first and a second yeah so like going forward you just pay right, yeah, that,
1: right. that makes it all right disaster is probably unfair then because if but i mean like if you're giving away a top five pick sure sure then disaster yeah um there's still plenty of time for this to work out but now like what happens if you move on from Derek Carr? It wasn't the whole point of like to bring and adams is from vegas i think so i mean it's you know
2: yeah i think general area yeah
1: yeah so i mean like he he wanted to get back there anyway you know he knows Rodgers are going to play forever, but if you had told Devontae Adams, "Hey, you're going to have, like, you're going to have less time with Derek Carr than Aaron Rodgers if you take this trade deal," I'm not so sure that he demands – like maybe he's like, "All right, you know what, Green Bay, I'll I'll take that, I'll take that con. or
2: I'll take that, or just franchise, you know, I'll play on the franchise tag." No, that man. was the, that was the storyline. That was the it's the buddies re- reunion. It's they're they're getting back into the dorm room roots. Like that's what it was, and so. Yeah, I, you know, I, at this point though, you know, you're making your money. I, I don't think that Adams is going to be like, all right, well, if he goes, I go. I don't think yeah, anything like right, that's yeah. going to happen. But especially if you, because this is a team that I think you got to watch for. They're not a reset button team. Like they're not one that are going to draft a quarterback and and go that route. They would go the route of signing a veteran like Tom um, Brady great. or. going to or gonna right?
1: complain when Tom Brady's coming in and, exactly. and like
2: and like. Hey, here's what you do in this offense you know, like, I mean, he'll be like, all right, cool. Like I'll I'll play with Tom Brady. He's going to say, hey, did you see Mike Evans over the last few years? Just do that. Exactly.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting what they do. So, I mean, like, I I don't, maybe I'm being naive about some of these coaching positions. Um, I feel like Wilson and maybe to Ryan Wilson and maybe to a little bit of extent Breach are being like a bit over like, like maybe their expectations for what Who's going to fire who? Maybe a little too high. Like I, can't, I just can't. I don't, think the, I don't think the Cardinals will fire Cliff Kingsbury. They just signed him to an extension.
2: Yeah. Okay. So who do you, So what? You're saying it's... It's just
1: jammed. You signed, you signed the coach, the GM, and the quarterback to extensions this offseason pretty unnecessarily. Even when you didn't want to sign the quarterback to an extension for that much money because you were worried he's playing Call of Duty...
2: Just came was, out, by the way. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah, they were in one.
1: Oh um, yeah, um, and like you're, you, you, you forced that homework clause in there, mm-hmm. and then it gets embarrassing. You take it out, but like, I mean, if you if you put the homework clause in there, it's pretty clear you didn't want you, uh, you didn't. The deal was not something you were enthused about. Mm-hmm. You you sign clear. Like I just don't know how you can sign all three of those guys to an extension and then be like, whoops, I was wrong. I'm gonna eat all of that money.
2: Right, especially you got to remember too with these head coaches and I know you know this but I'm just saying it to say it. Yeah, no. This is money that they have to pay. It's not like when you get rid of a player and it's all right, well you're cutting this much off the cap and blah 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 and you're kind of it feels like you're shaving off money, whatever you agreed to pay the coach, you yep. are paying the coach that. It's like baseball money. Like you are getting the that money. The the only exception
1: being if the coach takes another position, like usually it's either a head coach, offensive coordinator, or defensive coordinator position where the, the offset money, right? Where this, this, any this, money that they're this, making from the new job.
2: why the Patriots don't have any, you know, titles because yeah. the Lions are paying for Patricia Natasha, and a, the New York Giants are paying for Joe Judge. That's what it is.
1: We did, you know what? We, I, we whiffed on that this offseason, didn't we? I didn't, coming into the season, I, I, we didn't, when we talked about who's the OC. Oh, after that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess I didn't really like, that's de- I mean that's definitely a factor in it for sure. Of course, of course it is. Yeah. yeah, like hey, you guys want to get paid? Sure, I don't care. Screw the Giants, screw the Lions. Um, you fire my boys. It's why like Butch Davis, um, when he went to Tampa Bay after getting fired, ousted in Car- Chapel Hill, was a special advisor to Greg Schiano. He wanted he wanted to get he wanted he wanted to make money from the Bucks, but he didn't want to lose the money he was getting from his buyout. It's why people perhaps erroneously assume that Matt rule will go sprinting to Nebraska. Now I think if he, if he gets offered one of those good jobs, he'll take it. But I also think he will be willing to take a year and like sit out and do the PR tour, the Mike McCarthy special. Like he'll go, he'll go like hang out at PFF or something for a weekend.
2: Right. So this is in, in and again, it's not, this is what happens around the NFL The Patriots and not the only ones who do this, but, uh, you know, but this is something that happened with uh Brett Palima or is I'm saying his name, right? Bert, uh, yeah, you're saying it right. He, was joining the Patriots staff under kind of a pseudo ambiguous title, and be paid by Arkansas. And Arkansas kind of went at him. I think they were suing him. Um, they because they oh, were wow. saying that they, he made no effort to find a high paying job in January twenty nineteen. Uh, you know, stop paying seven million dollars. Blah blah blah. But like that's the kind of games you play here because these big corporations, these big franchises, are on the hook paying all that money so yeah no i mean if you're arizona and you're cliff kingsbury you're not doing it i don't think you're doing it with josh mcdaniels you might be doing it in denver i think i think that that's probably where the most if we're going to follow this circumstance that's the most likely because it's a new ownership they're like all right you know this is a clear disaster we didn't make this higher let's move on and but other than that it's i it's forgot hard. about
1: this Bulima thing. Uh, sorry, just re- just reading yeah, on. It. So, yeah, sorry, yeah.
2: I didn't mean to, I was I was reading. I, yeah.
1: I was reading. It was like, um, i I'm reading a pro football talk. You know, they, he was getting $125,000 from the Patriots, which is hilariously like low for like a former like multi-time college head coach as a. And Arkansas accused him of keeping it artificially low. Um, he was getting 11.935 million dollars owed from Arkansas, but apparently his offset contract. Was like, because it, it varies. Like, there's no specifics. Typically speaking, it is a coordinator or head coach job that will offset it. Maybe not like a quarterback, you know, but if you're, if you're hired as a quarterback coach, you're making more money, et cetera. Like, he's just it was, he's just getting that cash from the Patriots, but not a ton because he wants the thing. And then this court is this is great. The Patriots wanted to keep emails involving Bolima private and they want a temporary order toward that end. But the judge in the case of the Patriots emails could come out at trial, which is probably why they settled. Because those emails definitely like, hey, man, look, I don't, hey, Bill, I don't really care what you give me. I uh, just, like, I, I just want to make sure I get that Arkansas money. Screw them hogs, you know? Um, sorry. Anyways, <laughs> staying with and and, believe,
2: and, 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 and if, am I wrong? Did they not settle with Gruden, too? Like, w- when, he, when he resigned or was fired or whatever we're calling it, did the Raiders pay that whole, or are paying that whole nut? Or was that no, something that I was think, settled? I think that's right. Um, but just the point remains. There's very rare instances where... Yeah, they reach an undisclosed contract settlement. Sure. It, it, but there are just rare instances where you settle or whatever. It's on breach of CBSSports.com. Uh, oftentimes, you're just paying that whole thing. So owners aren't that willing to just rid themselves of a head coach they know that they're still paying.
1: Yeah, and and Gruden resigning... Different it, controversy. It's, it's right, a different... whole different ball of wax. But, yeah. I mean, that now the interesting thing about that is that the... Raiders have now paid Gruden, so you you wouldn't be paying both Gruden and
2: McDaniel's. Sure, sure, right, right. You're paying three you, coaches at that point. You can't point. be
1: paying three coaches. Just can't. You can't be paying. Just can't be paying three head coaches. Um, all right. Good stuff, Sully. We will. uh We'll be back tomorrow. Or you'll be back tomorrow. I will be. Look at you. I know. It's just, not. Hey. Hey. Bed yourself into this podcast and just just like squatting at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're always welcome here. We
2: just uh, become best friends. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll just maybe we should we should have dressed up as stepbrothers. All right, anyway, great. I know. I love that Uh By the way, that's that's uh, uh, John C. Riley is one of those guys. Billy, in case you have never heard of him, and Will Ferrell. I'm not sure if you heard of those guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. For Sally, I'm Brendan. We'll see you guys later. The time
2: has come for drag queens to save the world. Drag
0: queens save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount+. Plus, and for the first time ever... I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing
1: for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms of five.